The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. It was by the Sea of Tiberias, and it happened like this. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two more of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. They replied, we'll come with you. They went out and got into the boat, but caught nothing that night. It was light by now, and there stood Jesus on the shore, though the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus called out, have you caught anything, friends? And they answered, no. He said, throw the net out to starboard, and you'll find something. So they dropped the net, and there were so many fish that they could not haul it in. The disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. At these words, it is the Lord, Simon Peter, who had practically nothing on, wrapped his cloak around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples came on in the boat, towing the net of the fish. They were only about a hundred yards from land. As soon as they came ashore, they saw that there was some bread there and a charcoal fire with fish cooking on it. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore, full of big fish, 153 of them. And in spite of there being so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples were bold enough to ask, who are you? They knew quite well it was the Lord. Jesus then stepped forward, took the bread and gave it to them. And the same with the fish. This was the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after rising from the dead. After the meal, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. The second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, look after my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was upset that he asked him a third time, do you love me? And said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I tell you most solemnly, when you were young, you put your own belt on and walked where you liked. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and somebody else will put a belt around you and take you where you would rather not go. In these words, he indicated the kind of death by which Peter would give glory to God. After this, he said, follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I discovered from one of my classmates just the other day, we were discussing our homilies, and he said there's only two occasions in the Gospel where a charcoal fire is, is shown. One is when Peter's wounding himself with the passion, and of course that's the denial. And then the other is this, where Jesus encounters him and 
redeems his threefold denial. He says, do you love me three times? And we see this all the time in scriptures because the scripture loves to show old things becoming new. That's really what the whole of our faith is about. Old creations becoming new creations. Somewhat miraculously. But we miss it if we don't really see it. I want to say a few things this morning, and we've already got a lot on, and I hope this helps us in a way. Um, the first thing I want to say is about the church's rhythm of life. Because when we look out in the open and we look at nature, nature changes over the course of a year, doesn't it? We've got seasons, and the different seasons are kind of obvious, like different colours are apparent, different smells and sounds are there. Well, the same is true for the life of the church. Just think back a few weeks where we were dressing everything in purple because purple is indicative of a season of preparation. And it also rings with that kind of royalty. You know, the royals were, were dressed in purple. Um, sometimes before Mass, regardless of what season we're in, the priest will be wearing purple because he's hearing confessions. So the church can just kind of like create little seasons here and there for our sake to prepare for, for what we're doing right now. And now we're wearing white or off-white. It's white though. Um, because we're in the time of the resurrection, right? Um, and special feasts have this white color to remind us, yes, the center of our faith is the risen Lord. He's come to new life. Everything that is old has become absolutely new now. Uh, think of Good Friday. We're wearing what color? Red reminiscent of the Lord's blood, but it's also reminiscent of like a profound witness because we see red when there's martyrs, we see red when we come to Pentecost, just a quick flash of it. It's meant to grab our attention like a red traffic light. It's like red alert, you know, pay attention. Something tremendous is happening. Um, I've actually forgotten what it feels like to wear green, but eventually we're going to get back to ordinary time. Green, uh, freshness, newness of life. Ordinary life is actually renewed. Okay, and at the moment I'm wearing this this rose. It's not pink, by the way. It's rose because for two Sundays within Lent and within uh, Advent, we have this quick flash of rose to tell us the season is not actually all about drudgery. It's joy. So I'm wearing this today to remind myself and you we should be happy. It's Easter. It's not really liturgically correct, but. I don't care. <laughs> we have reason to be happy, right? Now, I'm wearing that because something in the Gospels caught me. And I thought, this is an alarm. This is something that I think we're meant to take attention of. Listen to this. The apostles are on mission with incredible zeal. Like they're bursting into the public space and they're grabbing a lot of attention. And the authorities don't really like it. And the passage opens like this. The high priest demanded an explanation from the apostles. We gave you a formal warning, he said, not to preach in this name. And what have you done? You filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you seem determined to fix the guilty of this man's death on us. Now, why does this jump? It jumps because sometimes as Christians, we can seem to get a little bit self-righteous. We put on a victim mentality, and that's not what's happening here. Yes, the apostles are being smothered. They're being crushed. But listen how the passage ends. And so they left the presence of the Sanhedrin, glad to have had the honor of suffering humiliation for the sake of the name. 
So you see the music turns our usual reactions upside down. We met with persecution, and it's kind of comical. It's funny. It's funny because if someone tries to stop God, there could be nothing more vain. How can you stop God? How can you stop the resurrection? How can you stop God's love flooding every heart on this planet? That's what he wants to do, and he's going to do it. And he wants to involve us. He wants to involve those far off into the even tide of our lives. He wants to involve these little babies who are about to come into the body of Christ sacramentally. He wants to involve everyone in every country of every little cranny of this world. That's God's desire. And he's going to do it. He's going to do it with and through us. Which is a wonderful thing. So I want to encourage us today, as we meet with difficulty in life, this is not the season, cosmically and naturally or liturgically, to kind of fall prey to complaint, to disenchantment, feeling run down and smothered and like everyone's against us. Who cares? We have the Lord who is risen on our side and he rises in and through and for us. See this passage from Revelation, John's vision. It was in my vision I heard the sound of an immense number of angels gathered around the throne, and animals and elders, thousands upon ten thousands and thousands upon thousands. And it says, Then I heard all the living things in the creation. So, sandflies, uh, whales, coral, um, radio waves. Everything joins this chorus of praise. Everything, everything that exists, that's our song. Hallelujah is our song. Hope is our anthem. Joy is the undercurrent of all we're doing. And the world will know us by our love. So what do we do now in this season of Lent? Firstly, let's join that choir. Let's join it right now as we gather. And secondly, in the meantime, 